Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Does anybody else need to call downstairs? No, sir. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm the Arizona Wine Monk. Uh, I'm here with a bunch of people tonight. Um, I'm going to go around. Um, everyone just go counterclockwise for me and introduce yourselves just because that'll make it easier. Um, you know me. Huh? Me? Yeah. Uh, Tim White. Tim White is the winemaker for tonight. We're focusing on the new hidden hand label. Um, next up. <laughs> Kayla Haas. <laughs> and Jason Negron. Jason Negron is returning to us. Uh, we did a podcast a while back featuring a, a Chardonnay comparison between a New York grape, Pennsylvania-made Chardonnay, and uh, the Dalla from Stronghold, if I remember correctly. And we have one more who's going to be joining us momentarily, whose name, of course, I just heard in... His name is Calvin Arnold. Calvin Arnold is going to be joining us here in just a moment. Um, like I said, we're doing the new Hidden Hand label by Tim White. Um, the labels are pretty cool. We're starting off with uh, Malvasia Bianca. Yay, a night with the girlfriend, or fiancé now, <laughs> on Facebook. So this is the 33 Degrees, not, not Hidden Hand. Oh, sorry. I'm, we can talk about Okay, the differences. Yeah. I mean, I know, the little I know is that it's vaguely Masonic, which... Yes. Which is about all I know. Yes. And that the Malvasia that I've already had, and it's really fucking good. Because, well, <laughs> it's hard for me not to find an Arizona Malvasia that I don't yeah, like. I, just because it's... It seems you gravitate towards those. You know, yeah. I've read a few of your reviews yeah. of those. It's, you know, you, you need a night in with a girlfriend every now and again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely makes sense here. Yeah, I, I have to say that hands down Malvasia, I think, is our best white. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I think there's maybe some on the horizon. Well, there's some on the horizon, definitely. I think Pico Pool is, is yeah, ascending. Yeah, yeah. Pool Blanc. Um, um, Vidal Blanc is going to be good for the mountains. Yeah. Uh, Albarino seems to be doing good. I, I haven't had too many no? full Arizona Albarinos yet, yeah. so I can't really comment. All I've had is the one that we have in Barrel and Passion, which was okay. Okay. Um, it wasn't the best that Where I've... Where was it from? Was it from? Uh, the fruit was from Dragoon. Okay. But as far as I'm aware, only Dragoon and uh, Cimarron are growing. Right. Albarino right. at this point. Yeah. Um, Arizona Sauvignon Blanc seems to be good. Um, I'd really like to see what some Georgian whites do out here, but no one's oh, tried yeah. them yet. And yeah. It's hard to convince people to plant something that looks like it's, you know, written in <laughs> Elvish. Right. But it's actually easier to pronounce than it looks like, no, it's spelled Mitzvani, that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> no, it's really not that hard. But anyway, uh, how did you get involved in the Arizona wine industry, Tim? Um, by way of... Uh, winejobs.com. <laughs> I was making wine in Virginia uh, starting in 2004. I became a seller out of Virginia and by 2006 I was looking for an outlet or a way out and I was mostly looking at Oregon um, and I got a I got a, uh, an alert, an email alert that uh, there was a position open in Arizona and that was 2007 and came out here to interview um, and then moved out here three weeks later. Oh, nice. So I've been here since 2007. What were you doing in Virginia? Mostly Vignet or? Oh, mostly, uh, mostly Bordeaux varietals. A lot of Cab Franc, Cab Sav, um, some Chardonnay, uh, Petit Bordeaux, Chamberson, if you've ever heard of that. I have tried uh, Chamberson. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, 
I have a love-hate relationship with that grape because yeah, me too. Uh, my friend in Kansas has continuously <laughs> sent me good bottles or bottles that she says, oh, this bottle is amazing. Yeah. And we do a wine trade and then they come here and I taste them in their vinegar. Right. So, and it's continuously. So it's just like either I have the very worst luck with this varietal or it doesn't travel well. Have you played much with Virginia wines in general? Uh, a few here and there. Yeah. That, uh, uh, I, should, I should get a few examples of that because they do it well. And you just, it just yeah. has to be a good producer. Yeah, I'm planning on actually tasting some of the stuff full, full hand, full right. hand, um, on hand. I'm going to a friend's wedding in Kansas, so oh, okay. my yeah. plan is to spend a whole day looking at, at wineries there. And okay. There is a winery there growing Georgian varietals, so my plan is to harass in Virginia? them. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Or not Virginia, um, Kansas. Oh, oh, oh. Um, sorry, sidetracked. The Chambersons I've had have been from Kansas. Got it, got it. Um, but he's growing Georgian varietals there, and I kind of want to harass him for questions on growing conditions and pests and yeah, yeah, butt break and that sort of thing to yeah. see if they really would be as good in, in reality as they are on paper for Around here this area. Yeah. in the Verde. Right, right. Or not necessarily the Verde in general, but <coughs> right. I would argue more for Sonoida because Sonoida is a little bit colder. I think I would agree, yeah. yeah. It's an interesting area for, potentially for those varietals. Yeah. So where was the, where was the gig? What, uh, a place called Chateau Morissette. Okay. It was the I think at the time it was the largest winery in the state, which you know, not much sold to that, but a lot of good technical understanding of things, which is was my goal. Spent a few years there, and the winemaker there was a UC Davis graduate, and I also knew that I would never go to UC Davis, so it was good yeah. to get that that kind of base understanding as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, UC Davis winemakers tend to be very paranoid. <laughs> yeah, in their approach. I, I, I've noticed this. <clears throat> so, yeah, Calvin Arnold. Calvin, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Calvin Arnold. I'm the national sales rep for Caduceus Cellars and Merkin Vineyards. Cool. And my best friend. <laughs> so we're starting with the the 33 degrees Malvasia Bianca. Yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about this guy. So this came, uh, I made this in 2014, uh, and it came from Buell Memorial Vineyard, and it's a, I think it's a blend of two of the blocks there, the Norte and the Nuevo blocks. Um, yeah, it was stainless steel fermented, uh, and then it, I kept it in barrel for 14 months. Neutral oak? Uh, yeah. French, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, well, yeah. I guess if it's a neutral, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter. But yes, that's, all, that's kind of all I have. Uh, I, I'd hate to see what Malvasia would do on American Oak, I think that'd be. <laughs> that might not make a lot of sense. Yeah, it would be a disaster, yeah. I, I honestly really do think. Um, it's really either stainless steel or neutral oak. I, I know Freitas did one that was on a little bit of new French oak, and it was really interesting. It added a mid palette, which sometimes Malvasia is hard to do. Was it really like fat? Broad. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah her, the Malvasias that I've had from her vineyard <clears throat> tend that direction for sure. Yeah. I, also, I couldn't figure out if it was, because back when I tried them, it was uh, Darren Evans that was making them. Yeah. So I couldn't tell if it was his style or it was just that vineyard. I don't know. I haven't had any with any of the new winemakers, so or I don't even know who is the new winemaker there, for Freitas. I don't, I don't either. I'm not even familiar. Mystery. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> uh, I, I drank the, the uh, Fridas, uh 2012 Sangiovese uh, okay. last night. The How one that? that got double gold. It was 
the most acidic Sangiovese I think I've ever tasted, <laughs> to the point where I don't think you could get away with pairing it with Italian food without getting massive heartburn. Oh, wow. Um, which was shocking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that maybe something got wrong with that bottle. Um, hmm. So I'm, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. It was kind of out of balance, acidity. Yeah. Yeah. Very much out of balance, which again, it could have just been I got stored wrong and maybe it was in my car for too long, sure. traveling with it or something, so sure. you know, yeah. things happen, yeah, yeah. bottle shock and all, well not so much right. bottle shock, but you know, you get that, you know, even I've encountered once in a while right. a bottle that right. has gone bad, and it's like, okay, whatever, right. you know, I'll, I'll move on, yeah. but the nose on it was beautiful, it was oh. just that a super acidic palate, it was just like, a little too much, yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa! So you've had this before? I tonight? Just once before tonight. Okay. Um, just at, after basically the end of the end party. Um, of the festival? For, of the festival. Because oh, again, okay. I was working the tasting room that day, so I couldn't break down and, right. and get here. Right. So Got it. Um, Jesse, of course, was an asshole and said, you know, why are you coming here at the end of the party? Get the fuck out. <laughs> but not before you drink this, because it's your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jesse. He, nice. He's he's the most Sounds lovable. Like something you would say. Yeah, he's he's the most lovable asshole I know. Right. <laughs> and I say that with full fondness and love. So you said this came together because of you? How so? Kind of. Um, I did podcast last summer. Yeah. yeah, last summer when you were here, Jason. I was here. Um, I am from Pennsylvania. Oh, me too. And originally from Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. Yeah. Where from? Right outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, Chester County. All right. I'm from Allentown. Oh, okay. So. Nice. Um, I came out here and I brought, I was helping a, uh, a vineyard that just got uh, opened up and just off their feet, right. or onto their feet rather, right. um, and I was helping them with pretty much everything from uh, vineyard work to, you know, in the winery. Okay. And I was also dabbling at home a little bit and making my own stuff. Okay. And when I came out, I figured I would bring some of the, the wine that was being made at the, at the winery I was working at. Okay. Um, uh, to give it a shot to see how it compares from you know coast to coast from uh, Pennsylvania to the desert and yeah. just to you know for something fun to do and uh, I knew I was coming back out this time and we had you know it's almost been a year since we podcasted yeah, just about. Last. so I figured let's give it a shot and I saw that you had started a new label and oh, cool. thought you know oh. well, let's do the hidden hand and then I yeah. said wait I should ask Tim is that okay <laughs> and this is like sure go ahead <laughs> and so uh I asked you, and then you're like, well, okay. Because <laughs> I had asked you once before, just before all this, you know, this yeah. whole computer thing. Yeah. You know, basically, my computer died, as many of you know, so that's why podcasts have been sparse. And so, mm. got a new laptop, well, new to me laptop, and trying to get the blog back up and running, because it's also been crazy this Lent, and yeah. trying to get back on the thing, and blogging has been erratic. and Right. So it's like, again, I apologize to my listeners and readers that, you know, I used to be very steady and do this, you know, two wine blogs and one podcast a week, but it just has oh, well. been... That's pretty professional. Yeah, <laughs> and then life got ahead of me, and then... <laughs> yeah, as yeah. it does. Best laid plans of mice and men, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. I'm totally getting that, that Wilcox yeah. uh, minerality on the, on mm -hmm. the finish, that sort of limestone... Gravel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does have a lot of minerality on the finish. Well, that's what I like about Malvasia is that every... I've not had a Sonoida Malvasia. I don't even know that anyone's growing Malvasia in Sonoida. Uh, Kent might be. But Todd might be as well. Todd Bostock. I know. <clears throat> he could be. 
but it does seem to be a very Tawar-driven grape, and it mm-hmm. picks up what's around it, and even within different blocks of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah albule, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's very, very good at reading Tawar and reading yeah. that local geology on the ground, which yeah. is one of the reasons why I like it. Yeah, the the two main blocks that went into this, it, one of the blocks is really like there's a lot of pronounced melon component. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm getting that here too. Do. And then the other one, it's just really white flower, like acacia flower. Acacia flower, jasmine, gardenia. Yeah. And this has a balance, a lovely balance on the nose mm-hmm. between those two characteristics, which is, again, something I really like about Arizona Malvasia is yeah. that it really catches that that floral notes. And New Mexico, it doesn't do that, which right. is very interesting. Right. And in Italy, it doesn't do that either. No. I've had one or two. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, one, the other one is quart, so yeah. one and a half. Italian what was it like? Uh, I'm, I've never. I'm not familiar with Italian. Uh, honestly, the one that struck me as most similar is the one that we have at Passion Cellars right oh, now okay. um, from New Mexico fruit. It didn't have the marked elderflower. It had mm-hmm. uh, a gardenia, um, a gardenia acacia thing, but yeah, yeah. Um, lots of pineapple. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's yeah. pineapple and honeydew and cantaloupe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the That's nose and palate, which again was completely different from any of the Arizonas. Right, right. And we were like, well, this is completely different. Then we tasted the, it was all actually for a podcast. We were yeah. doing all the seals across oh, cool. the world. Cool. Uh, as sort of a Valentine's Day thing yeah. because, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it was just really interesting. Um, he, my friend got it, Gary, uh-huh. he got it at uh, this wine store in Chicago. Okay. I've never seen a full Italian Malvasia for sale anywhere in Arizona. Me. Um, so yeah. we got to go out of state for it, which is unfortunate. <coughs> right. cool. I'm really surprised no one's tried to do a pet knot uh, style Malvasia on here because it seems like a great would be natural for that. What do you? What is that? Um, ignorant. Uh, from my understanding, is that it's a a style where you let it light, you ferment, you ferment it almost to completion, mm-hmm. and then you bottle it and let it ferment the rest in the bottle, oh, and then you release it very young, like within. Like by the end of that year or by spring or in the next summer. Got it. Um, so it's a little. So it's a little frisante. bit fizzy, yeah. frisante yeah. style. Right. And I had a Malvasia like that done from California, and it was really interesting. And I thought, gosh, this would be awesome for someone to do that yeah. here. Yeah, this would lend itself well to that style, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The same winery did one with Dolcetto, which was just plain weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, <laughs> how is this? How is that? <laughs> um, but the Malvasia was like, like, yeah, we need to do this here. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, I have to ask, why the Masonic symbolism? Uh, it was pretty much all inspired by the property that we're, we want to build this winery on. Really? Develop these brands. Yeah. So we have three wine wines in the family: thirty-three degree or Hidden Hand, thirty-three degrees, and another brand that's going to be called Oddfellows. Okay. And they're all uh, rooted in Masonic culture, uh, and it, it's the property that we're. We want to develop the winery. We're going to develop a winery, um, tasting room, restaurant, and it's uh, it's an old abandoned Masonic lodge from that was built in 1958. Oh, cool! Old Town Cottonwood. Have you ever been on the property? No, no. I've not actually. You should go visit it sometime. Where is it roughly? It's really the only thing you know perched over Old Town. Oh, that one hill that's right at the end. Okay, I know right where so that is. So ne- next to uh, the. Uh, Eric Jurisons. And uh, then the tavern. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It just sits up there, all lonely. Yeah. I don't even know how you would even get up there. 
Yeah, well, we're going to be able to, we're going to build an entrance from Pima Street. So okay. Down, so you'll be able to access it from Old Town. But the the proper entrance now is to go up Verde Heights. Okay. And, and in at the top, which is a little inconvenient, which will keep that as kind of an entrance exit. But yeah. the main entrance will be from Pima Street. So, yeah, everything was kind of inspired by just, you know, being inspired by that property and I know nothing about Masonic culture. Being Eastern Orthodox, and we kind of frown on associating with Masons. Right. I don't know all the rationales. I just follow it just because it's yeah. easier than keeping right. you know myself from being pissed off and excommunicated. Yeah. Because you know, yes, I have no interest in being clergy, but I'd rather like going to church there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I'm very ignorant of the, of the symbolism and the name. So uh, yeah. what does the 33 degrees mean for? for let Calvin answer this question. You know, it's just varying degrees. Uh, within Masonic culture. He has family members that we won't mention that right. are familiar with Masonic culture. Okay. So it's just a, you know, a varying level of, of, uh, of degrees, uh, a stair step, a ladder, a system, a uh, level of accomplishment. So is 33 degrees a higher level or a lower level or spot on or do you know or, or know. can you not talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> It's a secret. <laughs> no, there's a lot of things we're going to play with. And it's not intended to be like... Obviously, it's not like the Masonic winery. Like we're, no, no, no. We want to be respectful of their culture, but yeah. we, we, we want to have fun with it as well. So there's going to be a lot of things that are tied to the culture, but not spot on. Because I can tell you that none of us are Masons. Uh-huh. <laughs> none, of the, none of the partners, none of the people involved are. Okay. But it's inspiring for sure, and those things are all you know loosely related to various occult things throughout history that I'm familiar with, and Maynard and Maynard Keenan and Scott Havis being the other two partners there, you know, they they've been inspired by those things throughout their careers as well. Right, I know Maynard likes to to put a lot of uh, sort of Kabbalah mm-hmm. imagery on, on not so much on his bottles but on the corks and, and yeah. associated with the whole yeah. Number thing, which again is all beyond my ken and understanding. I just if, kind of if you just look around, even you know on the surface, there a lot of those things are tied together in fun ways. Yeah. So it's just again, it's just inspired by the property and trying to be respectful of their culture. Are you going to be planting any vines around there too, or? Yeah. So that property is seven point seven acres. Ooh. So I think we're going to try to plant five of them. What are you going to plant, or do you know yet? It's. More than likely, it's going to be Tempranillo, uh, maybe some Graciano. That'd be cool to see some Verdi Graciano. Yeah, definitely some Grenache because it's, it's an obsession of mine. That's that would be a girlfriend of mine if Malvasia is yours. Okay, um, and maybe he says maybe, as as his, his lady friend stares over, yeah. <laughs> glaring, and maybe maybe a little bit of maybe a little bit of Malvasia and uh, Albarino. Just that would be interesting. Very, too, the very Spanish. Yeah, very Spanish take. Um, the Hidden Hand, we, we just bottled a Hidden Hand wine that is uh, Tempranillo from Buell Memorial. So I really dig the Tempranillo that's coming from that side. Yeah. I, I was actually just down there hanging out with Jesse and oh, yeah? took a look at that block just for awesome shiggles. Cause yeah, it's a small block. It's a small block, but it's just immaculately beautiful yeah. wines. Yeah, it is. And it really makes some interesting wines if you're familiar with Sancho. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I have one in my in my stash waiting. Nice. Biding its time yeah, to yeah. be reviewed. 
And I, I look at it sometimes like, eh, no, not, not, not yet. Yeah. So, yeah, there are some givens, you know. Uh, I really like, I like Italian bridles too, and we thought a lot about that. But I think as we sort through this, it's going to be, I like what Tempranillo does. And yeah. then Maynard also planted over at the Elefante Vineyard over in Cornville. He planted, um, he's planted a lot of Spanish bridles there as well. Yeah, I heard he planted Albarino there too. I guess yeah, he, he at has. some point. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So that's kind of you know that's kind of guiding our way in some respect because it's a similar elevation. Um, Makes sense. Different different parts of the valley, but certainly this similar elevation. So I can't imagine that you'd have the same frost problems and and near Old Town Cottonwood no, on that property no. that you do down Bio Creek. I agree. Though. And the way that the vineyard's going to be situated, it's going to be very steep. It's going to be terraced. Uh, so, the cold air is going to drain off anyway. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, and we just made the first, like, the inaugural Tempranillo from that vineyard for 2015. Oh. So, it, and we're pretty excited about that. So, that was kind of what guided the way for what Hidden Hand will be. At least in terms of varietal. Uh, stylistically, it will be very different than anything that Maynard makes at Caduceus. Yeah, well, which is good. I like the fact that every winemaker and winery in Arizona is doing a different style. And you know, I get people that come into the taste room. And from from my perspective, they're like, "Oh, I don't like any of these." It's like, <laughs> I, I, I can't. You know, Arizona wine sucks. Please, so it's just like, well, okay, pop in down the street. Pop in, you know, Cellar Four Thirty Three. Pop in Caduceus. Go down to Chateau Tumbling. Go down to Four Eight. Right. Especially go down to Four Eight. You've got multiple different winemakers mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if you don't like one, you'll probably like at least one of them by yeah. default because it's different approaches. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's the thing that I like here is that we're all figuring yeah, shit yeah. out, absolutely, figuring yeah. out what works and what doesn't. That's hard when someone's just not pleased with it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I get people that come in from Napa with their noses up the air and they're like, "Oh, I'm from Napa. I don't right. like. I'm not going to like any of your wines." And I'm like, that's nice, <laughs> which makes me honestly want to go. Hold on, I got this last yeah, yeah. we'll see in there. Which makes me honestly want to go to Napa at some point into Opus One and just stick my nose up in the air and it's like, I'm probably not going to like any of your wines. I'm from Arizona. <laughs> and the hilarious thing is I've had actual winemakers from Napa come through and visit and they're like, oh, great, you know, I want to try everything. And it's just the people that live there that are... Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you ever had a good experience in Napa? I, I've never actually been to Napa. Oh, okay. Um, my experience with wine tasting, um, not in Arizona, has largely been limited to Turkey, ah. uh, and which I think Turkish varietals would be great here in Arizona. Yeah, because the varietals that are grown in common, Syrah, Grenache, sure, um, they all taste almost identical to the Arizona Brethren. Right. To right. the point where in a blind tasting, um, there was one Grenache I tasted there. Honestly, I thought, wait, how did they get a bottle of James Callahan's Rune here? Oh wow! Huh. It was just just almost spitting image and oh, I'm well. just like okay so the Tuar is clear and I'm just doing then research on the geology it's more volcanic right, right, right. in Cappadocia yeah 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 um, but, but at the same time the climate is very similar they've got late summer rains winter rains frost problems a lot yeah. of the same problems that we do yeah yeah and it's just like these varieties would be perfect the problem is they're completely unpronounceable uh, uh, Ukuguzku yeah. and Bashkare I mean people so would be like scare people away yeah, yeah. so yeah. you'd have to come up with new names or translate the names yeah. into British that's like tough man British in an already fledgling wine region yeah. but I, I think it, it would be worth it just for you know to have them as blending components and, yeah. and have them in blends 
until you know you figure out how what we can call them to the GTV and yeah. come up with new yeah. names for them. But to eventually you know, on paper, anyway, again, yeah. the, these varietals would be perfect. I think. Yeah. You know, to the point where I, you know, I brought bottles back for Kent Calligan for a research night, and I still haven't gotten them to him because yeah. you know, I haven't been down there. So this is our inaugural 33 degrees red, um, which is Syrah um, or Vedra Petit Syrah. From Buell again? Or? All three components from Buell Memorial. What's the percentages? 60% Syrah. Thirty-five, five. So five percent, five per. Wow, I can't talk. Five percent petite sirah. Yeah. As Minimal. my friend, the geologist, would say, you can hardly speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and the petite sirah is definitely coming out on the nose. I'm getting that bergamot black tea thing that I normally associate with petite sirah. Petite sirah. Well, you've also got that sirah. Mm-hmm. And the Vedra characteristics are coming through that sort of... It's a little bit of perfumey. You know, the aromatics of Syrah, yeah. um, that sort of um, almost like a pipe tobacco type right. thing, and right. um, the plum of the Mavedra is coming out. Yeah. It's always struck me as very interesting how in Arizona no one is growing uh, Cinso and Carignan, really which are the traditional tannic bases for your GSMs in France. Yeah, and true. so we use Petite Syrah here instead. We do. Which yeah. is, I mean, I know they're planning into college, I guess, next yeah. year, Carignan, but that's as far as I'm aware, the only Carignan grown in the state, or will be. why that is. I mean, clearly Rome varietals do pretty well here. Even Cunois. Um, I, I had Kim Asmundson's Cunois recently, and it's really interesting. I mean, that's more of a light, high-toned acidic component. I can taste it for so the only Cunois I've had in the state is coming from Calibri. Mm, I've been impressed. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, right. But it's Calibri. It's yeah. kind of famous for being yeah, yeah. some it's of the best. It's a neat vineyard. In the state. Yeah. I've never been. It's a vineyard that I really want to go to. It's a really, that whole area is really pretty badass. Uh, that canyon is pretty magical. I know there's a few people that also wanted to grow there, but yeah. I guess Calibri is kind of it for, mm -hmm. for right now. Yeah. So and this is going to be another stupid Masonic question that I know no one can answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, hidden hand. Kale's going to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is the hidden hand? Is this a reference to like the, the hidden hand of the market as discussed by, um, wow, my name is totally, the guy who is the father of capitalism, Adam Smith? I mean, is that a connection there, or is that something really different? Or was he a Mason, and did he get the term from Mason? Yeah. You're going to keep getting that look from him. That's, so. that's a question that can't be used. No, the <laughs> hidden, hidden Hand came up early on uh, in conversations when we first visited the property. Um, so I proposed that name to Maynard and Scott, and they loved it. Um, but it can mean a lot of different things. I think within, like, if you're in, I mean, and I don't know this, um, but I've, I've heard stories or I've read, I've, I've read in, in a few books and I've read a little bit online where uh, if you're in the Masonic Lodge, um, the, the members who are there, uh, and 
I don't know if it's all lodges or some lodges are complete bullshit, but people wear gloves hmm. so that nobody knows what you do. So if you work with your hands versus a banker, you know, if you're a, if you're a bricklayer versus a banker, there's no judgment based on not hmm. knowing uh, if you have calluses on your hands and such. So there's that, there's that reference that I've often come across. And then there's the whole, uh, like, people who pose for pictures putting their hand in their jacket. Yeah. Um, that is a Masonic reference. As I do right now in my shirt. <laughs> but there's also uh, probably a dozen other uh, references to Hidden Hand that I've read. But I Which like. is good because it is a name that then will invoke different feelings and different people and different ideas. I but mean, all these things should, you know, that, and that, that's kind of... And that's kind of the point of wine, yeah. too, is right. that it engenders different conversations and different opinions. Yeah. You know, I find it... it for myself, it's harder to talk like this about beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, anyway. I mean, you know, for other people, it's different. Like Gary can talk beer like there's no tomorrow, but for me, I'm. I generally go for beer when I don't want to think very hard. Right. But right. wine, for some reason, just brings out the poetry and. <laughs> it could be very insulting what you just said. <laughs> but I agree. No, I mean, I like beer. <laughs> I like good beer, but I agree. With you. I also don't can't speak intelligently about beer like yeah. I apparently can about wine, or people keep telling me that I can about wine. Right. Yeah, I agree. Though, so because of uh, you know, Tim is also kind of the the or is I guess the mastermind behind the Kindred label too. Uh, what's going on with the Kindred? Is there going to be future vintages of the Kindred in the future? Or? Yeah. Yeah, there will be. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to pull together four other winemakers for a white version of Kindred. Ooh. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that to you in the email that I sent you once. Vaguely, but I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, so my, I guess it's more of a wish list or a dream list of people that I'd like to pull together to make that happen. And uh, that is Michael Pierce um, and Rob Hamelman and Anne Roncone and um, Jan Smith. Uh, so those. Who's Jan Smith, the winemaker for? Is it Sierra Benito? Oh yes. Sierra, is that what it is? Sierra Benito. Yeah, oh yeah, god, yeah. their wines are amazing. Well, yeah, I don't know much about her. I've, there's been several people that I trust quite a bit that have told me that they're doing a really good job there. And I, re I actually reached out to her to talk to them. I, re I, I contacted all the people that I just mentioned, and they're all very excited about doing a white blend, um, kindred version of a white blend together. So, and I, I, would, I, I asked her some pretty general questions about what she was doing there, and I'm supposed to go down and visit with them at some point, but yeah. That, that. I have to say, I think that um, uh, Sierra Bonita has, I think, one of the best Cabernet Sauvignons oh, nice. in the state. Well, that's really exciting. Um, period. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why their wines are good is because they often spend a lot of time aging theirs, too, mm. which, is, which, you know... I don't mind aging my wines myself right. because you know there's no way I'm going to get to everything very right. quickly. Right. Um, I'm a busy man and I have a full cellar. Yeah. Uh, and you know I have noticed that the, that is something that we do a lot in Arizona is that we release our wines very quickly. Yeah. Uh, which we kind of have to because we, we don't have, have very much. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It's not you know. It's it's just what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's still um, such a young area. There's not a lot of time to. <laughs> yeah. To sit on wines for very long for most people, but I, I, they do it for sure with with their reds. I, not so much with their whites, but with their reds for yeah. sure. And I've only had one of their whites. Right. And I meant to get a bottle of it, and it's like, oh, I'll get a bottle of it later, and then it's gone. Yeah. So unfortunately, like trying to pull those people together to 
create a, a white version of Kindred. They, at least Jan had a really hard time. Um, this was last year, so they had a really difficult harvest. Um, so yeah. they didn't have a, light, a lot of white wine to spare. But I'm trying to keep in touch with everybody to pull together maybe a 2015 version of that. If nothing else, yeah. Of 2016, because from yeah. what I've heard, right. the frost was not a big issue right. anywhere or it hasn't been in the state. Or it hasn't. Frost. Well, I think we're we're probably largely mostly past yeah. frost season. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, I've not. I mean, yeah, I've seen snow as late as June first. Crazy, crazy things happen here. Um, yeah, and then the uh, the next red version of that will be the same for people um, for a 2015 version, and that would be. Probably mostly an Italian take. Oh. We want to keep playing around with different things with regards to that. Yeah. Do you do you have any idea what that blend is going to be like yet? Or mm, I know that the components that I'll be contributing and that Maynard will be contributing are Sangiovese from uh, Cimarron Vineyard, so oh. Todd's Vineyard in Wilcox. Uh, I don't know what Todd's and Kent's will be quite yet. Well, and the other idea was to, that we would all four source um, the those components from Cimarron Vineyard. That would be very interesting. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. What other kind of varietals is he growing on Cimarron? Is um, he have Ionica there? Or? Trying to think of what else he's got there. I know he's got Syrah and Nevedra. Tempranillo. Tempranillo. And Malvasia. Malvasia. And Picapool on that block. Sangio. And Sangio and... and and Alberino, that's where he's growing. His yeah, I can't think of what other Spanish. But he's, I thought he was growing Ionica there, but I could. He could be. He could be. I, I don't know. Cimarron Vineyard is, is. Although the only Ionica that I've dealt with has been from New Mexico, so I don't know. I know Dragoon is growing it, and Passion is planning on planting some of it. And Maynard's growing it in, in, in uh, Jerome, actually. I'm looking very forward to the Jerome Nebbiolo. Yeah. I'm also really looking forward to. Um, his amber slash orange wine that he made, mm. Um, mm. because as far as I'm aware, that's the first one of its kind in the state. I, it is. Yeah. I definitely want to get my hands on a bottle of that to review because yeah. mm, I could have brought you a bottle of that, <sighs> or Calvin could have. He works for that company. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so who do I have to tell to get a bottle? Just uh, I'll get you one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That way, that way, no one has to die. Okay. <laughs> because it will be reviewed. It's. Because I have actually been really getting into amber wines yeah, lately, and yeah. I've had a couple of Italian ones and California ones, and I'm really digging that style. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's one of those things that has become it's it's becoming very trendy, and of course that's not. He and I talked had a conversation about doing an orange wine, and it, in it, you know, we finally did, and the result I think is really interesting, and, and as long as you can get away from the fact that it's not a white wine. Yeah. Um, it's its whole other it's thing a whole in different itself. Thing. It's it, a whole it, it different lives animal. between white and red. It really yeah. does. It, it, and it's not between white and red in the same way that most rosé is either. It's, no, no. It's got that some of, you know. No. At the hipster varietal party, um, which, you know, sadly, none of you guys were there. It's <laughs> here. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I sent you an invite, but maybe it got you lost. You very well could. When was it? Um, May 1st. Of this year? Yeah. Oh, no. We do it every year, so there will be another one next year. Next year. Uh, okay. The whole idea behind this party is literally we bring weird shit. Okay. Either from grapes we've never heard of, or styles we've never yeah. heard of, or yeah. 
from regions we've ever heard of. So yeah. we had sparkling wines from Russia. Right. Uh, I brought an amber wine made from melon, which was a new varietal oh, for me, uh, from Napa, actually. Yeah. Huh. So I don't, you know, I don't really explore Napa very much. Right, so I'm like, right. here's a new varietal from a region that I normally hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How was it? It was phenomenal, but yeah. it was super, super tannic. Oh, wow. It was so tannic that even after decanting for almost two hours, I'm like, whoa, this is really fucking tannic. So red, obviously. No, it was, it was an amber. Oh, wow. So, that's neat. So it was just like, whoa. Huh. Uh, the winery was dirty and rowdy. Um, uh. So I, I highly recommend them. They're, they're pretty yeah. cool. Awesome. awesome. Um, they may or may not still have the Simeon yeah. Ember wine that the uh, same winery did a previous vintage at right. uh, Lloyd's Liquors in Prescott. Got it. Got but it. anyway. So yeah, we experimented with several different varieties for orange wine last year. Um, and we, we started out with uh, Riesling and Viognier. And then we, huh. did, we did a little bit of Malvasia from uh, Buell Memorial, and then we did some Malvasia from uh, Judas Vineyard in Jerome. So are they all blended together in the one, or? No. Uh, so the Judas Vineyard Malvasia is pretty pure. Um, I think we added maybe 2% of the uh, Buell Memorial into that, the Malvasia from there. Uh, and then everything else found different homes. Uh, and we're going to be releasing one of the inaugural Oddfellows wines will be an orange wine. Oh, cool. So, yeah. But that's going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, yes, it may be trendy, but it's a style that I've been following, again, before the trend broke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to the point where I was saying a year ago, I was like, hey, we should make an orange wine. Are, are you at all familiar with terpenes that exist in grape skins? Very Specifically good. aromatic varietals? Yes. That was the only reason I wanted to do an orange wine. It was it had nothing to do with, like, what's going on. Or what's yeah, going on. exactly. I mean, that's that's something that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you typically lose the, you lose that when you make white wines in traditional ways, because uh, it's typically you press the white wine, you get yeah. the juice, you ferment the there juice, and the skins are gone. So, and there's a lot of terpenes that, and specifically aromatic varietals, which is why we chose Riesling, uh, Viognier, Malvasia, um, to do the orange wine. With. Where was well, the Riesling coming from? Buell uh, Memorial. Oh, that's right, he does have a small block. Yeah, there. there's a I small always forget block. about that. Yeah. But the longer the skins are in contact with the juice on those varietals, the more they pick up those, or retain those terpenes, which doesn't happen very often with white wine. So when you do that with aromatic varietals that have a lot of that anyway, or excessive amounts of those, you just, it kind of amplifies those things in an orange wine. And it certainly did in this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I said. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward also to the uh, Malvasia Vermentino blend. And mm, yeah, uh, I tasted the Jane when I was down at the Wilcox Wine Festival. Yeah. Almost bought a bottle for a friend of mine who yeah. specifically asked for Arizona Rosé for the wedding that I'm going to uh -huh. in Kansas. Right. Uh, the problem was uh, the the back of the label. I'm like, yeah, I can't give this to someone who's getting married. <laughs> if it was for the bachelorette party. If it was for the bachelorette party, great, this would be great. But it's like, yeah, I can't give this to someone on their wedding day. They'll just be like, Can we talk about that? Can we for a talk about while? this for a minute? I Can think we, we need to get this on the Captain, table. So we're gonna we're gonna defer. I think I think Calvin over Calvin here has something to say about it. <laughs> Go ahead. If you can. No, I think Calvin Arnold should tell this story. So Calvin Arnold named this one. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. I, I, I'm totally innocent. I'm completely innocent. You're a good talker. Go ahead. Uh, uh, 
was there for. <laughs> 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 Let's go for the third person perspective. No, How about that? No, it should come directly from you. <laughs> Buy a bottle, read the back. I don't agree with it. I'm, I'm slightly offended by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, buy a bottle, read the back, have a good laugh. Mm -hmm. That's it. I, I did. And it, it, it's one of, I think, the best Monastrell slash Mavedra Rosés, I think, in the state right now. That's one of the best Saturday Night Live things. It's, a, <laughs> it's also true. Yeah. I mean, if we're honest about it. Like, also true. Jen also true. And Jane Curtin were amazing in that. But, uh... <laughs> So you're familiar with Tarzan, yes? Oh, yes. So Tarzan, so, you know, it's, we had to have a Jane to go with Tarzan. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, and then what happens on the back is just all Calvin's fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> he is oh. to blame. Well, that was, that was uh, a wine that went back with one of my last exes. Uh, she bought that because she thought it smelled like me after I'd go for my jog around Jerome in the mornings. So you wanted to remember me. Tarzan? The Tarzan. Oh, got it. And I'm just like, got it. what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. But, uh, and now she, apparently she's, she's, well, I'm assuming that she's pissed off because she's no longer dating me, so. Huh. No. Whether she drank it or not, I don't know. Or whether she sees it in her stash and is constantly irked. Right. And goes, Cody, damn you! <laughs> I really hope it's the latter because... Can you call her? I refuse. <laughs> I am not going to open that can of worms with that one. There's a reason I refer to it as Voldemort II. <laughs> make this podcast really interesting. We could turn this into a Jerry Springer moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or over a moment that you are. Not <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I did not have sexual relations. <laughs> In any sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is opening up quite beautifully. Yeah, it's a little, uh, yeah, we just bottled this a few weeks ago, so. Uh, uh, the but despite that, I'm not getting any of the, the standard bottle shock things yeah. that I would expect to see in a wine that was bottled a few right. weeks ago. So it's, it's coming out quite nicely. It's part of the reason I didn't bring the Hidden Hand, because I think that one's still really, really young. And, and that's like the time. Tempranillo, right? It's the Tempranillo, yeah. yeah. And also from Joel from, from the And we bottled that at the same time as this 33 Degrees Red. But this Tempranillo is tends to have that bottle shock effect longer, though, from what I've noticed. Tempranillo has that thing, like, all throughout fermentation, like, early, first 6, 10, 12 months, it, it just doesn't make sense, and then all of a sudden it just kind of comes together most of the time. It's, a, it's an interesting grape that way. It's one of the reasons I like it so much. So, it's, it's elusive. So that's one that you like to work with so much. What do you think is the easiest grapes to work with? Cabernet Sauvignon. Really? How so? I just think it does... Well, so many places. Uh, I, I definitely found it does well up here, and in the valley it does well in Sonoida, it does well in Wilcox, um, it does well in Virginia. <laughs> it just, it's one of the, it's very robust, and it, it just kind of always finds its way. Um, there's always like, you know, there, there's, there's place um, things that you can find. Uh, where it's grown, but it just tends to do well. It tends to find its way real easy. Other grapes don't find their, well, their way so easy. Tempranillo being one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Grenache is another one that can be troublesome. But I think around here, and certainly in Wilcox, there's a lot of uh, Bordeaux varietals that tend to do pretty well and find their way pretty easily. I've found that Arizona Merlot tends to be really quite lovely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And also, weirdly enough, some years more tannic than cab. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is completely the opposite of what people expect. Right. That's true. Most people think Merlot is soft. And it's not always. No. And it's not not always in Bordeaux either. There's some pretty tannic versions of that there. Uh, yeah. What do you what do you find to be the, the most troublesome grapes to work with? Uh, Pinot, Pinot Grigio or Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. But I, I think that just has to be the case. Yeah. I think Grenache too. Grenache, and I, and again, it's another reason that I like it so much is because it's so difficult. Um, it's difficult in the vineyard because it's so vigorous. Yeah. Um, you have to really get a lot of things right in the vineyard before you get it, and then it it behaves very strangely. Well, predictably, when when you start to understand it, but it behaves very strangely in the winery. Gets it tends to get very hot. It's just needy. It needs a lot of nutrients. It just needs things. Um, but usually, it turns out pretty beautiful if you get it right. Kind of like Pinot, though. Mm. If you don't get it right, it's just meh. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, kind of my opinion of Pinot. Right? Yeah. When it comes to Arizona Pinot right now, the, the only vineyard that I've been consistently happy with has been Del Rio Springs and Chino, actually. Oh, nice. I don't know if you've ever I've actually ever heard of it. I have not had a taste of it. Now, their reserve is very strikingly similar to a Cote d'Or Burgundy. It's beautiful. Nice. Um, and it's just like, wow. Huh. And I haven't had much coming from, from Pierce's vineyard yet. Right. I haven't had his pure one. His is I, good. He yeah. just shared his with me during the Verde Valley Wine Festival. And apparently, you know, I was hoping to, to try it when I was down in Wilcox. He was, and Barb and Dan are like, no, nope, yeah. we don't have any. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, fuck. So Maynard bought some grapes from his vineyard, some Pinot grapes from his vineyard in 2014. The same vintage I tried of Mike's, and we have it up there in Jerome, and it's really nice as well. Yeah, I, I tasted it. It was, it was pretty solid. It was not... Mm. Not really, I wouldn't classify it as a burgundy-style Pinot and White, but it wasn't really that California or Oregon style. It was definitely something on its own. Yeah, it's different. Uh, and it was hard to categorize, kind of hard to pin down. Yeah. Uh, so it was very difficult for me to, to think about and talk about and, and yeah. comment on. So it's like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to take personal notes on this and, yep. and then yep. keep it quiet because <clears> you know, I, I can't really figure out how to categorize or describe this vintage. Yeah. And I, again, I don't know if it's just that it was Wilcox or that maybe... Uh, and Chino, they're not letting the terroir of the landscape show through, or maybe the landscape there is so similar to Burgundy that that's just how it's manifested. Sure. You know, I, I think we need more Pinot planted in Chino. I think we runs. need more Pinot planted in a lot of different places just to see. I mean, it's a pretty diverse state. There's yeah. got to be a spot. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't had any uh, pure Pinot from uh, uh, Blomsky's block up on House Mountain either. I've, it's been in blends, but I've never tasted it on its own. I guess the mule's mistake right now is mostly uh, Pinot from that block or something of that sort. Maybe that's why it made it in there. I don't know. Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> so many secrets. So it's like, it, it sometimes does feel like the, the Arizona industry should be its own Masonic Lodge sometimes. <laughs> the way we keep secrets from each other. and, and you know. Do we though? Do you feel do you feel Well, sometimes. And sometimes at the same time we're very open, but other than other times we're very I don't know if we keep like, so many secrets as sometimes relationships are strained. Yeah. Which I, I guess would be that is definitely true. Yeah. But I think I think the people that are open with each other talk about you know, freely visit each other yeah. often. Or at least I find that to be Yeah. Good. And then you have the people that don't that, that try to, to spread crazy things. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I guess that's the same way it is with any group of people, but at the same time, you know, 
sometimes trying to get information about a particular wine can be very difficult for me to, to get. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, so I have no idea. That should be easy information to get. Though. I know. I don't know why. There's no like, like, whether my emails just fall through the cracks uh, or what. It's not but, like there's you know, any... There's also a lot of winemakers that are very open, like Kent. I yeah, can provide yeah. an answer like an Anything. Odd, they'll answer by the end of the day. Yeah. And Kent will, of course, give five-word answers because he's Kent. He's Kent. Yeah. And you, <laughs> he, and you he respect that. He speaks more than five words at once, but it's like, okay, they're, they're solid five words that yeah, yeah, yeah. you can unpack a depth of meaning that... You can rely on that. You know, you can rely that on I love. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, this is a, a Hungarian oak. That's how he answers everything. <laughs> very low, very quiet. Ask him about baked potatoes. It's the <laughs> same, same thing. Same thing. I like baked potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Ken. One of these days, I will get down to Sonoy and get those Turkish wines too. I promise. I was hoping to get them to you at the, the Verde Valley Wine Festival, but I got trapped in the tasting room late because this group of 12 people came in just before close, of course. Did you get to see them at all? No, I didn't. No. Which is unfortunate. And when I was down in Sonoya the last time, he was up in Tucson for wine dinners or something. Oh, nice. So I was like, okay, I can't do that there. Yeah. I literally pulled in like just before him and his wife were, were heading up. And I'm like, the only thing, I'm not going to do a tasting. I know you guys are closed for tasting. I just want to bottle the Anne's to review at some point. And I'm like, okay, here. Okay, it's right. this much money here. Here's my card. <laughs> okay, see you guys. Have fun at the dinner. Nice. Bye. <laughs> And then, you know, uh, James Callahan is also very, very open. And, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. But, you know, trying to get answers for, for the wines from Freitas, for example, is very difficult. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think most people who are trying to be authentic are very open. You know, I think that's important to the people. That and it's important to me. I mean, yeah. you know, I like to know. Well, it's information. It's sharing information. And, and should um, be you know, if, if something has New Mexico Freitas, I want to know. Rob Hamlin right. is also very good about, you know, answering. He'll be like... Yeah, it'll be a couple days because I'm busy in the vineyard, but sure. here it is. You know, sure. Three days later, everything you ever want to know. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, you have Chateau Temple, who just puts everything on the back of the label, which is awesome. Right, right. You know, I like to refer to the labels there as reverse mullets because, yeah. you know, it's party in the front, business in the back. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Well, we should probably finish our glasses and uh, finish up the block party. Mm -hmm. uh, so, gang... Uh, I want to thank you again very, very much, Tim, Absolutely, for uh, yeah. spending time with us tonight. Yes, of course. Thank uh, you. I do have a bottle of the Malvasil already. I'll be reviewing that later. Okay. Uh, when I get around to it. And I'm, I'm Any other things you need, just let me know. Will do. Um, yeah. And as, as, the, as, the, as the project as a whole becomes more, more realized and closer to actually becoming, um, maybe we'll be able to do a podcast. That'd be sometime. great. Yeah. yeah in the all of us. Yeah. And we'll have spooky chanting in the background. Ooh, that'd be a good Halloween podcast. We'll just do it in the secret chamber that we create. <laughs> secret chamber slash barrel room. There's already one there that exists. Oh, so barrel room. There you go. Maybe if it's big enough. Or a place for Girl Scout cookies. Whatever. 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 Girl Scout cookies, Girl Scout cookie wine pairings, Girl Scouts trapped in barrels. <laughs> Make us cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Turn this thing off. <laughs> Sorry, we've gone all cask of a million tondo here. Yeah, I've been reading too much Poe lately, clearly. Anyway, uh, but I'm just a Poe boy. Nobody loves me. Yeah. He's just a Poe boy. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, gang, this yes. is the Arizona Wine Monk and, and Tim White and Kayla. Kayla, Jason, and 
Caleb. Calvin. 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 I knew it was a C. <laughs> I'll get it eventually. There good. But anyway, have fun, gang. It was a pleasure. Until next time, this is Cody signing off.